Welcome to the Vineyard Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on this podcast or other resources, go to vineyardlive.us. To learn more about us, go to thevineyardchurch.us. Love y'all. Wow, wow, the love overwhelming me, man. Woo, all right, stop the clock. (laughs) All right, I remember when I was a a kid growing up, uh, my childhood dream was to play in the NBA. I love the sport of basketball. I love everything about the game. I love hooping, and I love watching the best of the best play, especially the GOAT. Michael Jordan. Now, Gen Zers, we can go ahead and kill the debate. This is the guy that's the greatest player to ever play and will play the game. I just want to make sure y'all know we, now that we're on the same page, we can keep it moving, all right? But this was my, this is my childhood hero, okay? I mean, who didn't like Michael Jordan? I mean, I wanted to wear his shoes. I'm still wearing his shoes to this day. I wanted to wear his jersey. I mean, I wanted to even sing the man's song. Like Mike, if I can be like Mike, I want to be, I want to be like Mike. You know, okay. I mean, I may not have been, I've been a little pitchy maybe, but I mean, still, like everybody wanted to sing a song. Everybody wanted to do his thing. If he was at McDonald's, I was grabbing a McDonald's burger. If he was sipping on Gatorade, I was sipping on Gatorade too. I mean, this was my man. He was that guy. Everybody wanted to be like Mike. And everybody wanted to play like Mike too until they came to the startling realization that you can only go but so far being like Mike. I mean, I remember trying to jump from the foul line, like with the, like, nah, I'm not doing, I almost hurt myself, you know. Problem was I couldn't stay in the air long enough. I mean, I wanted to, you know, cross over dribble for the last second three and brick. You know what I mean? Like I, I couldn't get the last second three thing down or, or I couldn't get the, you know, 63 points in the game ever. <laughs> you know, Boston Garden, my goodness, that was a beast. Anyways, I, I, I couldn't do those things. You know what I'm saying? I tried all these things. You see, my imitation from Michael Jordan fell short. I can, I can wear his shoes, I can wear his jerseys, I can sing the man's song, but, by, but my imitation of Michael Jordan fell short. No matter how hard I tried to play like him on the court, to be like him in every way. And many Christians here today, you probably find yourself in the same dilemma. I know we all have sob stories of Michael Jordan, you know, not being like him too. I know, you know, no one here can play like Jordan. I mean, but... You know, I'm not talking about that dilemma. I'm talking about a deeper, grander dilemma. The dilemma that everyone here can keep falling short when it comes to imitating Jesus to the world. I mean, we may try imitating Jesus to the world. We may try, you know, like looking like Jesus in our everyday today, in our everyday mundane, but it just may not seem to work the way we want it to work. Why is that? 
We've been in this series, Wrecked for God, where we've been journeying through Die's book. And can we, can we shout out Die, y'all? Shout out to Die. I'm going to miss you, Die. I'm going to miss you. We've been journeying through Dai's book while unpacking what it looks like to be in union with Christ, in union with Jesus. And today, uh, I want to explore the problem that we can find ourselves in, the problem that we have when it comes to simply imitating Jesus. We've all heard it, the WWJD, the what would Jesus do? We've all heard it, like, I want to imitate Jesus. I want to be like Christ. I want to be Christ-like. You know, scriptures are clear that we are supposed to image Jesus to the world, but we keep falling short of imitating Jesus to the world. We try to imitate Jesus in our relationships, in our finances, to our families, but we find that we might still be missing the mark. Lord, I don't want to yell at my kids, but it's really hard to WWJD when they acting like knuckleheads, Lord. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's my son up there. I, I, I don't want to cancel my crazy mother-in-law, Lord, but it's hard to WWJD and not, you know, and then still go to Thanksgiving meals with them and all that. I mean, you know, whatever the case may be, it may be hard to imitate Jesus. And if we try to imitate Jesus, we might be missing the mark. Well, it may be less to do with our desires to be like Jesus because we all want to be like Jesus, Right. It may have less to do with our desires to be like Jesus and more to do with shifting our perspective from imitation to intimacy. Intimacy? What do you mean, Clay? What are you talking about, man? Intimacy? How can you get intimate with a God? Like, how does that even look? How does that work? Well, let's unpack that. Because we believe that imaging Jesus to the world is about intimacy and not imitation. So let's go ahead and pray, and we'll go ahead and dig deeper. Holy Spirit, we, we bless your name. We bless your presence here in this place. We say, come, Lord, even more. May you help the people to receive what you want to receive, what them to receive. May you empower the people to hear how you want them to hear, to perceive what you want us to perceive, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In chapter 6 of Dai's book, Wrecked for God, we're introduced to this wild and crazy concept, y'all. Wild and crazy concept of laying down in imitation of Jesus and embracing intimacy with Jesus. And yes, it could sound super confusing. It, it, come, it can come off crazy, you know, confusing at times. I mean, aren't we supposed to imitate Jesus? Aren't we supposed to go in and be Christ-like, Christian, Christ-like? You know, like, what's up with that? We've been grown so accustomed, so conditioned to think this way, right? Yes, we are supposed to imitate Jesus to the world. Yes, we are supposed to be Christ-like, but it is only possible in union with Christ, you see, it's intimacy with Jesus that will help enable us to bear genuine fruit. Turn with me to John 15, 4. We can go there, click there, flip there, or, or it will be on the screen. John 15, 4, the TPT version. It says this, so you must remain in life union with me, for I 
remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. If we want to bear fruit, if we want fruitful lives in Christ, Jesus is making it crystal clear that it's about intimacy and not imitation. It's that life apart from Christ that we can be about that imitation life. It's that life apart from Christ. What are you doing, Jesus? Wait a minute. I'm going to mime. I'm going to mimic. I'm going I'm to be on my mime grind right now. I'm going to see what he's doing right now. But he's saying that apart from Christ, we can do nothing like Christ. It's in intimacy. It's in, hey, get over here and let's get close. Get intimate with me. It's me and you and you and me. I want to grow intimate with you. And it's in the intimacy that we can do the things that God does. It's an intimacy, God in us, with us, doing life through us that we can bear genuine fruit. As a kid growing up, I remember going to a lot of youth conferences, and all these youth conferences I've been to, man, I, I definitely have to give props where props is due. It definitely laid a strong foundation, a spiritual foundation for your boy, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, and, and so shout out to all the youth pastors and youth workers getting it in and all the youth volunteers getting it in. That is not for the faint of heart, trust me. Okay, but I remember going to these youth conferences and hearing talks, flee from sexual sin, flee from youthful passions, youthful lusts, covenant eyes, WWJD, WWJD, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? WWJD, I mean, I mean, it was all on, right? I mean, we're listening to the pure preacher, preach. You know what I'm saying? Get his preach on. And he's like, and if you find yourself in a position where you are about to have sex with somebody, ask yourself, WWJD. <laughs> and we like, yeah, let's go. WWJD, cuffing the eyes. <sighs> but as soon as the preach is over, as soon as the music stops, we out here at a youth conference, y'all. Young people all around the world coming to this one spot. So the, the guys are checking the girls out. The girls are checking the guys out. You know what I'm saying? We running game on them. You know what I'm saying? We like, yo, I got my, I got my Bible turned in the book of numbers, girl, but I got a problem. I don't see yours in there. You know what I mean? Like, I got a problem. I mean, like, we, we going in. Like, you know what I'm saying? It was a big social singles mixer, these youth conferences. All right? All right? All right? It's crazy because most of my love letters came from these youth conferences. All right? I was making it, making it, making it, making it, Mac Daddy. I mean, but look. But listen. Listen. BC boy, BC. I still, I'm not, I'm not running game on, I'm not throwing shade on the youth conferences. I still send my kids to youth conferences. I, I, you, go, you go to youth conferences, right? You, you go, they go to youth conferences and they, they're about that life. But what I'm trying to say is simply trying to imitate Jesus is not going to bear the fruit that Jesus died for me to bear. Simply trying to imitate Jesus is not going to bear the fruit that Jesus died for me to bear. 
Jesus died for us, died for me, died for you to have union with him, to be intimate with him, not just trying to copycat him. And I realized this. I realized that the more I tried to imitate Christ, the more I tried to be about the imitation life without true union, I was about fruitless striving. I was on that life about fruitless striving. The more I tried to imitate him, the more I tried to be about, you know, hey, I want to see what you're doing, do what you're doing. I want to stop lusting. Oh, baby girl, you're looking good. But I want to stop. But I want to stop. Covenant eyes on him. The more I tried to imitate Jesus, the more I was about that fruitless striving. Especially when it came to lust, y'all, that led to sexual sin. That was just my thing. I was in bondage to that. And maybe some of y'all here can relate. Maybe some of y'all online can relate. Maybe some of y'all have, have tried to this, this imitation game thing where you imitate Jesus in your own self-effort and it's led to fruitless striving. Maybe we, attempt, we attempted to be about imitating Jesus when it comes to relationships, addictions, drugs, alcohol. Maybe we tried to imitate Jesus when it comes to being kind, merciful, non-judgmental. You okay, girl? Okay. Make it short. Maybe we, maybe we trying to imitate Jesus when it comes to Netflix. Yeah, she, he, he got it. <laughs> when it came to Facebook, and it leads to fruitless striving. See, we know what Jesus would do. We get that. We, 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 we want to do what Jesus did. We, we really want to press in and desire to act more, act and talk more, and, and be more like Jesus. But some of us, for some reason, we're experiencing fruitless striving. And for me, I, it, was, it was real. I was dealing with this lusting in my life. And it wasn't until I encountered the love of Jesus, y'all, really encountered the love of Jesus, that I was able to move from fruitless striving to fruitful abiding. It wasn't until I, I, I made the decision to say, you know what, I, I, you know, I receive your love. I receive your grace in my life. And I want you inside. I want to live intimately with you. And that's the minute where I stopped being about the fruitless striving and started to be more about fruitful abiding. Check out what it says in Colossians 3, 1 through 3. It reads this, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. Wait a minute. Whoa. This is more union language right here. We can join in resurrection with Jesus because why? We've joined in a death like his. We've died to ourselves. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. Why? Because my life was on the cross when he was on the cross. Your lives were on the cross when he was on the cross. And I joined in a death like his, and I went in the grave like him. And if we went in the grave like him, we also can raise to new life like him. Because his resurrection is our resurrection too. We are intertwined in his life. And I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. And now I can live a life like his. And as a result of this union, of this intimate relationship and fellowship with him, he enables to, verse 2 on him. Check it out. Feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities. 
and not with the distractions of this natural realm. Your crucifixion with Christ, there we go, died to Christ. We are dead to, with Christ and therefore raised a new life. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life. And now your true life is hidden. Someone say hidden. Hidden away in God, in Christ. Y'all, our true lives are hidden away in Him. Hidden, tucked away. And it's because of our union with Him. It's because we're so hidden in Him that our character is being built up to match His character. It's because of our union, our intimate union with Him that we can live victorious over sin. It's because of our union with him that we can look more like him and have genuine fruit. We can have relationship. We can be intimate. We can be close. He wants us closer than a brother. He wants us closer than your mother, than your father. He wants us close. That's the thing that's going to help guide us. That's the thing that's going to help free us from past struggles, past sin, or even present day things that we're dealing with. And this is what helped your boy get free from lust himself. This intimate fellowship with him. I remember I was, I was downtown with a friend, with an uh, with the, uh, with the unsaved friend. Church, I just want to go ahead and put this out here. Um, we've got to sometimes like kind of, you know, put our pride aside and be down with hanging with sinners sometimes. I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying like it's not, we're not too good to hang with sinners. They need what we carry. They need to hear and see the light that we carry. I'm just saying. Okay, so I was with a friend. He, was, he, wasn't, he wasn't saved. He wasn't sanctified, okay? But he was, he was a friend. We out there in downtown and we watching. We out there and the girls were everywhere. You know, this was BC, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and all the mamas weren't wearing clothes. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And, and my friend was like, my goodness. Dang. Hey, girl. Wow. I'm, I'm looking at him. I'm, I'm tripping out. Like, this guy is wild. And he, he looked at me and said, Clay, why don't you got the same reaction I have? Like, what's wrong with you, bro? Like, why don't you feel like, why don't you act like you phased by all the, the bodies we see out here? And I'm like, bro, I see those bodies just like you see them, man. But you know what else I see? I see that they are daughter of the king. You know what else I see? I see that they're made in the image of God of great worth and value. You know what else I see? I see that they're saved up for a spouse, specifically for a spouse. That ain't me. And then he was like, dang, bro, you didn't have to do me like that, Clay. Yeah, I, 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 I know you a pastor and all, but my goodness, bro, convicting a brother. I'm like, I hope so. <laughs> No, I'm not, you know, no condemnation in Christ. Like, I wasn't trying to condemn him. I was just trying to tell him, like, a running game on him, letting him know. Like, you know what? It's the intimacy with Jesus that actually enabled your boy to character the way he characters. It's, it's my, the intimacy with God that enables me to act the way he acts, to release what he's releasing, to see what he's seeing. There are some girls out there that don't know what they're doing with their bodies. They don't know how to flaunt their bodies in a way that they were designed. They're designed to look good, but they're designed to look good for one person. I, whew, and with God. And guys, stop with the selfies, with the half-naked stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Put your shirt on. 
Put your shirt on. That's for somebody else. Not for the world to see. What's going on with these selfies? What? I, I'm, I'm dying. Big brothers, fathers in the house, rise up. But it's, but it's the intimacy with Jesus that builds me up, that builds my character up, that teaches me how to act, teaches me how to walk, teaches me how to, how to do the things I need to do. Church, it's, about, it's not about imitation that leads to fruitless striving. It's intimacy that leads to fruitful abiding. But there's a killer out there, y'all, that we must be aware of. And this killer... He, that this killer disrupts this union, wants to derail this union, wants to isolate us from the Lord. And this killer is called shame. See, shame is a killer of the intimacy with God. What is shame? We'll put it like this. Guilt convinces us to feel bad for the things we did. Shame convinces you to feel bad for who you are. Okay, shame is a killer of intimacy. Shame is what convinced Adam and Eve to hide from God. It's what convinced me to hide from God every time I sinned. It's, it convinced me to, to run from God, to pull away from God, because I didn't believe that God had his best for me. I believed that God was holding out on me, so I'm going to pull away from God, or I'm feeling shameful of my life, so I'm going to leave God. It, shame convinces me that, uh, that I'm a horrible husband when I get in an argument with my wife, baby girl, even though I'm right. <laughs> I'm right, boy, okay? Just making sure. I can say that because baby girl ain't here, okay? You know, I love you, girl. I'm just playing, I'm just playing around. But, but, but no, shame, shame is a killer to intimacy, and shame has me feeling bad for the things that I do. Shame convinces us that God is mad at us. Shame convinces us that we aren't worthy to be in the presence of God. Shame is probably pulling the same old tricks right now with us right now. Shame's goal, y'all, is to get us to pull away from God, to isolate, to isolate from God, to, to, to be away from God so you're not intimate with God. Shame wants us convinced that we're not worthy to receive the love of God when God proved you're worthy by what he did with his son on the cross. Shame wants us convinced that we aren't, we are inherently wrong, like something is in, in us is inherently wrong when our state of being is right in every way, a.k.a. righteous. And my Bible reads this in Colossians 1, through 23, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless. Someone say blameless blameless that you stand before him without a single fault. Someone say single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Believe what truth? The truth that you've been made righteous. The truth that you've been made holy. That you've been made blameless. That you've been made pure. The truth that you are worthy of ongoing intimacy that leads to fruitful abiding. This is why it's not about imitation of Jesus, but intimacy with him. And if you're here today and you've never been reconciled to God before, 
And you want this close relationship. You want the intimate relationship with God. Guys, it is on the table today. The grace and truth and the love of God is available for you today. Wake up. Let's go in. Don't make the decision not to go in. This is the best decision of your life. Another benefit that Di points out in chapter 6 of the Wreck for God book, in which if you haven't read the book, go read the book. Go get the book now. Go pay. It's only $10. I mean, that's a steal. $10. Come on. Get the book and let's make that happen. Anyways, the next point that she points out in chapter 6 of her book is participation, not performance. Intimacy with God helps us be about participation, not performance. And I couldn't agree more. Too many of well-meaning sons and daughters get caught up in performing for God rather than participating with God. And, I, and I, I'm preaching to myself. Too many of us do. And you know what the killer is in that? There's a killer in that. There, there, there's something trying to like fuel that thing. And that thing is called the law. A.K.A. the Ten Commandments, A.K.A. The, all the 600 plus rules in the Old Covenant and the Old Testament. Listen, now a lot of y'all are like, the law, wait a minute, Clay, isn't the law holy? I'm about to throw an orange pill up here at you. Like, what are you doing? Are you a heretic? The law is holy. Yeah, I get that. The law is holy. It is pure. It is perfect. It is good in every, every way. Thank you. Finishing my sentences up here, Sai Sai. <laughs> Every way. The law's good, but the law can't save you. See, a lot of people think that they're going to attain righteousness by doing the law, performing for the law, when the only way to attain righteousness is in true, true union with Jesus Christ. Let's see what it says in Hebrews real quick. Hebrews 7, 19. It reads this. For the law has never made anyone perfect. Whoa. For the law has never made anyone perfect, but in its place is a far better hope. What is this hope? Who is this hope? What's up with this hope? It's Jesus the, the, the author and perfecter of our faith. It's Jesus, the bringer of grace and truth, the truth of who you are in him and the grace to empower you to be like him. The truth of who you are in him and the, and the grace to empower you to be more like him. Listen, which is, which gives us confidence to experience, get this, intimacy with God. Church, it's our intimacy with God that we can even participate with him. It's in this participation with him that we naturally want to obey. It's this participation with him that we naturally want to do the things he's doing, say the things he's saying, be about the things he's about. Listen, God wants us close like that. He wants us tight like that. That's why he prophesied in the Old Testament with the prophets saying, hey, there's going to come a day where I want you so close that I'm going to write my law on your hearts and on your minds in such a way that everything you desire, I desire too. Everything you want, I want. And vice versa, everything I desire, you're going to want to desire. That's what intimacy looks like. It's not about participating. It's not about performing to attain righteousness, it's about participating, participating with him from a place of righteousness. 
It's that's the intimacy. That's what we'll bring. One of the ways I felt most intimate with God was during my times of worship in the secret place. Now, secret place is a churchy phrase that basically means it's just you and God. No one else. No one else is watching. No one else is looking. You're not performing for anyone else. It's just you and God. And man, in these, and when I first came to to the Lord, I remember having these intimate moments with the Lord in such a way where I would just worship him. I'm, I'm crying, I'm sobbing, I'm, I'm thanking him and he's speaking to me and, and I'm getting warm and I'm, and I'm sweating and the presence is falling heavy and I'm like, oh God. I'm in home, I'm at home worshiping. I'm in the car worshiping. I remember I'm driving in the car playing worship music, crying so much I can hardly see the road and I'm like, Lord, let me pull over before the police think I'm drunk driving. Because I am drunk, but not off of alcohol, off the Holy Spirit's anointing. So I'm just pulled away, and I'm just blasted by his presence. And I, that happened time and time and time again. One day, I remember, I, I, I was um, taking my kids, my, my eight twins uh, were infants at the time, taking my twins to uh, daycare. And, you know, I, I got on my grind and I'm with my kids and we got out there and it's early and no one's around. The doors are locked. And I'm like, wow, I'm on my father grind. Like, whoa, today. Okay. So what do you do? I turn on some worship music and I started worshiping. Sai and Dustin were infants. They were in the back, knocked out. And I'm worshiping. I'm like, oh, God. And this it happened again. The presence just hit heavy. And I'm just crying. I'm sobbing. I'm, my hands are up. And I'm talking to God. He's talking to me. And I'm sounding like that baby right there. I'm just, ah. <laughs> and then next thing you know, I, I saw a car pull up. I'm like, whoa, where'd that car come from? Okay. We, uh, we out here. We out here. Next thing you know, the car pulls off. I'm like, what? Oh, okay. That was weird. Strange. All right. So I'm, I'm worshiping again. And I'm worshiping, and I'm going in, you know. And next thing you know, five minutes later, another car comes. I'm like, oh, okay. People are finally out here now. And then I see a squad car come. I'm like, well, what's going on with that squad car? All right, anyway. So then more cars come, and the police comes out, escorts the ladies into the building. And I'm like, all right, it's about that time. So I'm going to go ahead and get my twins, you know, double portion blessing out the way. You know, so going into the building, and we check in, you know. And then the police officer comes up to me and says, hey, excuse me, sir, have you happened to see a crazy guy who was talking to himself, looked like he was a danger to others? He's like lunatic out there. And I'm like, uh, nah, it was just me in the car worshiping, bro, but I didn't see nothing. So, okay, thank you. Have a nice day. You too, bro. Have a good day. And I'm walking away, and it hits me. Wait a minute. He thinks I, he, I was that crazy dude in the car worshiping. Wait a minute. Well, should I tell him? Nah, nah, what, what he don't know won't hurt him. And I got to come back and get my kids anyway. So I went, I, I left out out here, y'all. I went back home. And so I can tell Regina the story. It was crazy. Y'all, the point I'm trying to make, point I'm trying to make, is that the worship helped me grow more intimate with Jesus in such a way it made me a fool for Christ. A fool for Christ who gets the cops called on him from time to time. (laughs) Now, church, I'm not saying to go out in public and do some form of worship in public so the cops get called on you, okay? Let's just not get weird, okay? 
Let's just don't. All right, I can hear it. I can hear it now. Talking about Clay's last time preaching on a team, and he's inciting everybody to get arrested. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. But as my intimacy for Jesus grew, I started becoming more unashamed for Jesus. Another thing about this story is that I could have been offended. I could have been offended by that girl who called the police on me. Excuse me. I could have been offended by that girl who called the police on me. I could have been offended by the police who was asking me questions about that. But you know what? I, that was the last thing on my mind to even be offended. It was the last thing on my mind. Being offended was not even in my orbit of thinking, orbit of thought. Why? Because when you're lost in the presence of God, you lost your right to be offended. When you're lost in the presence of God, you lose your rights to be offended. Nothing can offend you. Why? Because you're intimately tied with God. Guys, you know what? Some of us need to lose our right to be offended on every little thing. Politics, masks, vaccines, all this stuff that really don't matter at the end of the day. What all, only thing that matters is our intimacy with him. And if we're intimate with him and someone says something to you that you don't like, so what? Move on. Move on. Our intimacy with God will help us grow not only more unashamed, but more unoffended. We must be an unoffendable people. The freedom in Jesus, y'all, only comes in intimacy. Freedom will only come with intimacy, and you can be freed from shame. You can be freed from offense. You can be freed from performance. It does not, I repeat, it does not come with trying to be like Jesus. Look at half the church on Facebook, and you get the point. It does not come with imitating him. It comes with being intimate with him. And that is available for you today. The real is available for you today. John 15, 4, it says this, so you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For a, as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately intimately joined to mine. We can try to be like God, just like I tried to be like Mike back in the day. You can try to be like God. You can try to talk like God. You can try to think like God. You can try to walk like God. You can try to attitude like God and be about fruitless striving, church. Because why? Apart from God, we can do none of those things. We could do nothing like God. Ah, but when we are in and we remain in life union with him, when we remain in intimacy with him and not about imitation, that's when we can break free from all those things that tried to hold us down. Think about those things that try to hold you down. You want to be broken free. You want to be free from that? Then intimacy is where we go because we can move from fruitless striving to fruitful abiding just like that. 
And that's what I believe is on the table today. We can ditch imitation, church. We must ditch imitation, church, and be about intimacy with God. And if we can do that, y'all, if we can own that, God, I want to be intimate with you, Lord. If we can own that, if we can be about that life, then watch our lives get turned up. Watch our lives get turned up in such a way that we will start to see more fruit that remains, more genuine fruit in our lives. We will be unoffended. We will be unashamed. We will be unabashed. We will be a fool for Jesus. Whose fool are you? We will be about the Lord in every way of our lives because why? We have an intimacy with God and do know when we get this, if we accept this intimacy thing, we will be wrecked for God and wrecked for good. Wrecked for God and wrecked for good for the sake of a dying world. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we bless you. We thank you, Father God, for what you're doing, Lord, here now, here in the now. And we pray, Father, that we apprehend what it is you are offering today. Intimacy. Intimacy that leads to fruitful abiding, not about performance, not about trying to do the right things all the time, but about participating with you and fruitfully abiding in you for the sake of the world. In Jesus' name, and the church said amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening to the message today. To experience more powerful messages, go to vineyardlive.us or Join our Vineyard Life Plus community to view conferences, trainings, and special teachings.